he was just a real quiet guy. Um, you know, he came to town, he never bothered anybody, he never gave anybody a hard time, he was never in trouble, um, never was at the bars. Implemented manifesto. Tory manifesto. Publicly released a manifesto of he sorts. what he called a manifesto. This manifesto, it scares the hell out of me. And it says there, people with advanced degrees aren't as smart as they think they are. Yeah, so... Nice. That's, that's, where, that's where I'm at. Uh, all right. Yeah, indeed. Uh, happy holidays... Welcome to another episode of Club Manifesto. Uh, we've got a good one for you today. A uh, holiday special. Holiday special. Taking a bit of a break from the uh, the high-minded yes. visions for utopian futures that we've uh, typically covered. And we're going to explore instead a different kind of manifesto. One that uh, demands discipline and conformity from... Members of a group who are not popularly known for, for either of those things. We're going to read today a document titled This Sorted Little Business, also known as the Furry Manifesto or the Burned Fur Manifesto or Squee Rats Manifesto, also, <laughs> uh, also described by detractors as the Furred Reich mm. Manifesto. And that probably... The first of many fur-related puns in the episode yeah. today. So I, I think this is going to be uh, this is going to be fun, but also also I think interesting. The furry community is just teeming with wordplay. You know, it's uh-huh. uh, the, we we try to take all manifestos seriously uh, on this podcast, but the but the but the wordplay is making it hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, we will we will. Do it, nevertheless. Absolutely. We will take it seriously, even if they just insist on pun after pun. Uh, pretty much everywhere you go, there's a, yeah. in the in the online furry world, they seem to love uh, puns. Yeah, one so. of my favorite ones, <clears throat> and it's good to introduce the listeners to to this terminology. It would you know help make sense of the furry world. But uh, I like the idea of a fursona. Which is your furry <laughs> persona, uh, yeah. where um, yeah, th- that's sort of like your avatar, the the character that you mm-hmm. inhabit when you put on your your furry costume. Yeah, well, I mean, it certainly is like uh, more relevant than the conference, uh, which they uh, also <laughs> use with regularity. Um, so. Yeah, so in this episode, we're going to do something like uh, a little bit different. Um, you know, even though the, the manifestos uh, that, that we've been reading have been penned by uh, a single author, um, and the furry manifesto certainly is like that, um, a, a lot of manifestos actually um, are products of a group rather than um, just the vision of a single individual. Um, and so for this uh, manifesto in particular, even though there is a, a single individual who produced it, uh, it's pretty important to know where the manifesto is coming from. You have to know like the larger context, the community uh, that produced it, and uh, and that gives us uh, the opportunity to explore in some depth uh, the furry fandom. 
And <clears throat> so this manifesto, the furry manifesto or the burned fur manifesto, um, it would not be subscribed to by all furries. It uh, originates from a forum post that highlights a, a, a conflict within the furry community and uh, therefore the manifesto represents the views of a subset of furries rather than a document that speaks for all furries in the in the furry community you know uh-huh. in the furry dumb yes uh, all... i think you you thought you might say yes all all furries and furry dumb i'm i'm trying to have uh you know we might have furries listening to this to this episode i realized i uh-huh. don't want to uh, uh offend anyone too quickly well <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to offend them with uh, even more fur-related puns. Um, well, speaking of offending True. furries, um, I guess, so it's what, uh, going into this uh, project, or by project, I mean just researching this episode, uh, what what were your impressions of furries? What did you... What did you think they were, and, and what were your ideas about them? <clears throat> you know, I didn't know very much about them at all. I just, I, I guess I looked at them as um, kind of like cosplayers in my mind. It's just they liked animals and they liked dressing up as animals and that's about all all there was in my mind. I didn't know much else uh, about furries or how big and, and diverse a community it is. It's uh, So I was pretty pretty ignorant going into this. Were, were you not, you didn't have like an idea of them as, as like a sort of sexualized caricature or I don't know what you want to say, se- sexualized community somehow. I, there was some like vague sense in my head, but not like, I, I didn't really think about it that way. I was pretty ignorant and naive. All I guess like, Oh, they, they like to have sex in their furry outfits maybe, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, to, to each his own, you know, I don't mm-hmm. It didn't, it didn't, um, I didn't really, I didn't really think much about it. In fact, it's. Uh, but yeah, there there definitely is something uh, um, kind of. <clears throat> uh, uh, I guess that that sets up a sends alarms in people's heads. You know, someone who dresses like an animal <clears throat> and talks in cute voice, cute voices. It seems to be like they want to uh, uh, attract kids, you know? <laughs> they, <laughs> they dress up like cartoon characters and talk in happy, happy time voices. So uh-huh. it's, it's just, it seems kind of creepy and, and one step away from, uh, from something really nefarious. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, looking more in, into the furry community there, you know, I mean, this manifesto is... It shows a conflict within that community, which shows like there's divisions in it, like any community, and it's and it's mm-hmm. more complicated and interesting than that. It's it's easy to write it off as like this sexually deviant group. I mean, that's what the manifesto is doing <laughs> in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, uh, uh, so uh, yeah. I didn't know much about it. How about how about you? What were what were some of your impressions? Uh, yeah, I I think. Um... I was probably pretty heavily influenced by portrayals in what I would imagine were like some television shows I must have seen. And then also uh, 
just people making jokes. But mm. I, I similarly had not given a whole lot of thought to it. I guess in some part of my mind, I guess I probably figured uh, whatever people want to do, like I said, if that's the thing that they're into, uh, I guess just didn't really raise the alarm bell for me. I did. I actually had not until you mentioned it uh, earlier. I'd not really considered the like potential overlap between dressing up like a cute unicorn and perhaps <laughs> like luring children uh, away from their parents or whatever. Um, uh, I had just thought of it as like uh, probably uh, a crew of people that um, would probably be slightly annoying to me mm. uh, if I was around them, but it has never posed any kind of an issue for me because I've never been like, I guess I actually am uh, in close proximity to uh, one of the largest conferences uh, really? in, in the, yeah, well, it's, it's in a uh, Rosemont. So just down oh, the way wow. from Chicago. Um, but nevertheless, I've not had many occasions to be like annoyed that there were a bunch of furries around or mm. something. Um, but, uh, but somehow you and I, who both profess to have never had very much curiosity or interest in furries, have found ourselves doing a full episode of this podcast about the furry manifesto. Um, so one of us perhaps uh, is is uh, <clears throat> some kind of latent curiosity. Well, you know the the, the it's just uh, yeah, Joe. I I was figuring it's something you might be interested in, uh, considering yeah. your your interests. You know. Well, that's uh, well, yeah, and that's your way of saying that you were the one who suggested. Uh, of, of, this. Well, I, of course <laughs> I did, but I was thinking I was thinking of you as I was yeah. uh, suggesting it. So because uh, we all I, we all know what you know what what Joe's what Joe's interested in. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> well, you hit right on the money because I was very interested. In it's. <laughs> really been uh i right now have a a tab open to the wicked fur page for skunk fucker and another tab <laughs> open to uh, some website that seems to have hundreds of thousands of animated pictures of uh like lions with big dicks so uh i've uh gone fully down the uh, rabbit hole as if you will yes um okay so uh Let's go ahead and talk about, I, I assume that most people have some general understanding of what a furry is or what, you know, the way that they've been depicted in popular culture, at least. But, um, you know, they are like, furries are not, I think, just people who put on like wolf heads and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, bang each other in a fur pile. Fur yes. pile is a <laughs> real, uh, real term, I think. Um, so... There, there have been, in fact, uh, academic studies into the furry fandom, uh, as it's often referred. And uh, one of them uh, was published in Society and Animals Journal in 2008. Um, and it gave a sort of a definition of furry. What they say there uh, in that, that article is that there's really no standard definition of furry, uh, but most furries would likely agree that a furry is a person who identifies with a furry fandom culture. Furry fandom is the collective name given to individuals who have a distinct interest in anthropomorphic animals, such as cartoon characters. Um, and that many, but not all furries strongly identify with or view themselves as one or more species of animal other than human. And we'll get into like whether people who are furries really do identify as 
another animal um, because the the writer of this manifesto is uh, pretty firm in her belief that that's not the case. But you know, generally it seems to be people who are interested in animal drawings and animal images that are also like anthropomorphic. Mm-hmm. And and this and this kind of uh, niche interest, you might be wondering, well, how many furries are there in the in the world? According to uh, Fred Patton, by 2010, the furry fandom grew to more than 100,000 members. In 2011, a study estimated that there are 1.4 million to 2.8 million furries worldwide. In 2014, a thesis from James Madison University said that the furry fandom had an estimate, was estimated to have 20,000 to 50,000 members, while CNN in 2018 and 2019 said that there are anywhere from 100,000 to a million people in furry fandom. So uh, uh, no matter what source you're looking at, there's quite a large number of, of, of furries in the, in the world. And, and they do yeah. see themselves as part of a community. Yeah, and that's... Um, this whole manifesto is really about what makes you a furry and what doesn't. Like, what's, what's sort mm-hmm. of, like, legit furry and what's not. And uh, the, the author um, of this Burned Fur Manifesto or Furry Manifesto really draws, like, a very broad brush. Like, she basically says if you're into... Uh, just drawings of animals. Uh, if you liked reading Watership Down, you you're kind of a furry. That's that's mm-hmm. her perspective. Um, but it it there's the actual furry fandom is uh, there's certainly a ranges of like investments in it because there are clearly some people who uh, have dedicated like their whole lives basically to being furries uh, and advocating for and regulating the fandom as it as it were Mm. um and there are countless uh messages on message boards going back to like the 90s that uh that give documentation of that um but the the sort of modern history of what we call furry fandom goes at least back to the 80s um and again this guy fred Patton, who i guess like a sci-fi historian Mm -hmm. um he thinks that it maybe went back to the 1910s 1920s um what's certain is that like by the 1970s there's a genre of comic books that's like depicting sort of explicit content that's like uh animals uh, basically like animals having sex um Mm -hmm. and uh animals that like pure part human uh and there's a let's see in in 1976 there's a pair of cartoonists um that created uh, an amateur press association called voody and uh, that was dedicated specifically to animal focused art so uh, by the 70s you've got uh people doing stuff kind of like what really kind of like the uh, sexualized stuff that that now furries are largely known for yeah, and, and it was in the 1990s that the mainstream media, uh, like the New York Times and NPR, that, that you know, reach a, a wide audience, started no- noticing uh, the furry subculture. And uh, also by the 2000s, there, there was an association 
of furries to uh, you know to to sort of kinky sex and 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 sort of like uh, weird sexual uh, uh, f uh, fetishization and. Um, for example, a Vanity Fair article said, The furry group has its own customs and language. Yif means sex. Yiffy means horny or sexual. Or yiffing means mating. So, like, the, you know, the vocabulary that they point out in the, in the mm -hmm. community. Like, when we started this episode, I mentioned fursona. That's, that's, that's also something you could have pointed out. But Vanity Fair went straight to the sex stuff. Because, uh, you know, uh, that's all people want to hear. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that that um, dynamic, the, the fact that people started, like the, the mainstream media started to learn about furries sometime in the 90s. Um, at mm -hmm. that point, it seems to me like this is a movement that's like existed largely on the Internet. Like it's uh, like the I don't think it's a mistake that the 80s is when it started mm -hmm. uh, gaining traction. And then in the 90s, even more so. Um, but it was big in the 90s, but there's this thing that starts to happen in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, where there start to be these portrayals in uh, mainstream media, including this like notable CSI yeah. uh, episode called uh, Fur and Loathing <laughs> um, that uh, brought a lot of attention to... To furries i guess at the time and that's really what this manifesto mm -hmm. is responding to like she sees there being because it's written i think in 1998 1999 and she sees there having been uh an era where being a furry was not something that you had to be ashamed of in any way or or had to associate mm -hmm. you, you were not associating yourself yourself with like people having sex in a fox costume you were just indicating that you were interested in anthropomorphic animals. Mm -hmm. um, and so all this mainstream media stuff is at least symptomatic of the problem that, well, what she identifies as a problem. Mm -hmm. um, and which I think probably a lot of people who are furries now, it seems, identify as a problem, which is this like uh, perception that, th that all they do is just hop into fur piles and uh, splooge, as they say. <laughs> yeah, That's the, also a term. Look, we found blue fibers similar to the ones on your costume in the stomach of a dead man. Bob Pitt? Huh? You may know him as Rocky Raccoon. You think my costume killed Rocky? We think it may have incapacitated him. Rocky was scritching me. That's one I haven't heard. Scritching is like grooming. It's friendly scratching. People who don't know each other can't just nuzzle and trade tummy rubs. But for animals, scritching is perfectly normal. Well, killing is perfectly normal for them, too. Doesn't make it legal for you. CSI episode seems to have been a big deal, you know, to, um, to, th that gave, like, this, this, like, 
deviant this this, this perverse perception of the furry community mm-hmm. to mainstream uh, culture you know and that is and that is a kind of like watershed moment uh, and and a, and and something that many uh, uh, many furries seem to want to like fight against you know really um, mm-hmm. it, it's weird how it like it is that kind of event that helps define a community too. Now, uh, uh, now they have a thing to rally against, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. and, it, and it weirdly uh, uh, might have a weird solidifying effect uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, because there is a kind of like widespread, you know, uh, f- fear or apprehension about furries for, you know, it, it kind of gives furries, uh, I would imagine, a, a stronger sense of what they're doing is meaningful because they're not deviants, you know. Well, nothing unites a group like, uh, you know, rebelling against the lamestream media's portrayal of something or another, you know? Yeah, that feels Uh, good. (laughs) It it does feel really good. I say that as someone who's basically spent a good chunk of my life uh, doing that very thing uh, in various ways, I I feel like. Um, But, like, uh, they it's obviously also now like a caricature because, uh, or it's a I keep using that word. It's like a, uh, it's like a parody of itself because now when people mock the mainstream media, they're so often doing it in mainstream media and, right. uh, it's, it's difficult to, uh, to parse what any of that really means. Um, yeah. but so, you know, another thing about furries, of course, uh, they've got these conventions, so it does exist online, but they, uh, and it does seem, from what I can gather, to be an intensely online community, but uh, they, there are these, like, uh, conferences, conventions uh, around the country, um, and I think, uh, you know, around, I guess not, you know, about 40% of furries uh, typically have attended a furry uh, convention. Um, so it's not, I guess not every furry or self-described furry is actually going to these conventions, but a lot of them do. Also kind of interesting to me was that a lot of self-described furries don't actually have mm-hmm. these fur suits, yeah. which is a big part of the stereotype around furries. You just imagine that they're all wearing like a plush fox mm-hmm. head. Um, but in fact... Because they're expensive, and frankly, probably because a lot of people are like just sort of like half-ass into being a furry, they're not going to go whole hog, whole hog. Um, they uh, they don't want to spend like I guess it's somewhere between five hundred, maybe ten, up to ten thousand bucks for a fur suit, or you have to like make your own, you right. know. Um, and so a good chunk of the eighty uh, percent of furries, according to some academic study i believe uh found that they don't really like 80 percent of furries don't own mm. a full fursuit so it's it's uh, kind of more of a passing hobby for a lot of people and, and i would think that like i mean our the person who wrote this manifesto uh squee rat like she doesn't uh uh she's not the kind of furry that would dress up uh, in 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 a in a fursuit, right? Like mm-hmm. there the, there's a there's a portion of the furry community, and the community is always like growing and changing. 
So even from the time that this manifesto was written, <clears throat> the, the, the types of people and interests in the furry community have, have morphed. Uh, but the, um, but like the, the author was uh, the kind of person who just wanted to draw furries, right? The, to draw human anthropomorphic animals. And, and, um, and, and, and she kind of doesn't like the, uh, uh, the furries who, who, who have fursuits and, and, and go whole hog, yeah. as you said, into, into yeah. the furry lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we'll talk about this more, but it's, it's kind of unclear to me if she's the kind of person who would wear a fursuit or not. She's, I mean, she hates, it seems almost all furries. We'll get into that, but like... Mm. Uh, yeah, well, actually, let's just talk about who, yeah. who she is, because we keep saying Squee Rat as though it's like a thing <laughs> anyone knows. Uh, <laughs> it's a great name. <laughs> uh, it is a pretty great name, uh, but she is still, uh, so Squee Rat, whose name is also uh, Spike Trotman, I think also has gone by Charla Trotman or Char Charlie Trotman, um, she's actually presently a cartoonist, um, She's got a long-running webcomic called Templar, Arizona, which uh, I'd never heard of, but I guess uh, was enough to get her a Wikipedia page. Um, and she publishes uh, something called, like, an anthology called Smut Peddler, which she describes as uh, lady-centric porn. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I'll confess I did not, like, look into what that actually is, but... Um, you know, she's still around. She's still doing, uh, like I said, this this thing was written in the late 90s. She's, I don't know that she's involved in really furry stuff anymore, but she's certainly involved in, like, being a cartoonist and uh, producing uh, drawings and images. Yeah, she grew up in uh, uh, Potomac. Am I saying that right? Potomac? Potomac? Mm. It's one of the, uh, Maryland. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, yeah it doesn't matter. I mean, in no Illinois, you've got like, you've got like, you know, Versailles and Versailles. You got Cairo, Cairo. Cairo, so anyway. Cairo. Yes. Yeah, I don't know what Potomac or Potomac. I don't know. I don't know how it's pronounced. But um, Potomac sounds sounds right to me, like the river, maybe. But uh -huh. Potomac. But um, Potomac, Maryland. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's where she uh, grew up. Uh, Trotman was a fan of uh, Bloom County, Calvin and Hobbes, The Far Side. Power Pack and Excalibur comic strips, and uh, she attended Spelman College, got a BA in Fine Arts, and then attended the School of Arts Institute in Chicago. And uh, her work is centered on uh, relationships, culture, uh, and erotica. She's known uh, for, like you said, Templar, Arizona, and 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 Smut Peddler, and she started her own. Um, uh, a company called Iron uh, Circus uh, Comics. So mm -hmm. she is very active and and uh, influential and known within not just the furry community because of this manifesto, but also in in the world of of comics. And that's where she's coming from. Uh, that's why mm -hmm. I assume she was the kind of furry who didn't wear. Um, I guess she never explicitly says it. But who doesn't wear any costumes? Mm -hmm. But she would. Yeah, that, and that's yeah. It's like we're all kind of guessing here because they're unlike uh, I guess almost all of the other manifestos that we've done. Maybe all of them. 
you know, this is a pretty niche mm-hmm. uh, kind of history. So we're, we're piecing this together from, uh, you know, again, a, a website called Wikifur, largely, yes. and then um, Wikipedia and stuff. But it's not like, a, it's like there's a really great um, definitive history of a lot of these things and a lot of these people. Yeah. But she does seem to have some, some stuff she's doing. Dear listener, Club Manifesto goes to the farthest reaches of the internet <laughs> to find you the most obscure and, and hardest to get uh, uh, stories, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, the, and, and yeah, there is no, like, official history of furries. And finding info on the, on the author, it was... Um, it was all like really interesting and 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 fun, but it's not like all in front of you, you know. It's it's uh, it, it's kind of it's kind of uh, got to do a little digging. Yeah, which is uh, uh, honest. I mean, it is it is pretty fun. It's also like I was saying this before the uh, we started recording, but um, if you take very many turns uh, mm-hmm. in any of those message boards, it's like. Uh, it, it does end up in some situation where you're looking at like a, a chipmunk uh, just railing a raccoon. I mean, that's the that is for whatever reason that is a thing that that's uh, shows up a bunch. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't take long for you to see like a you know a, a fox with a big dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which yeah, again, that's uh, that's how much we uh, we really love doing this podcast it's torture it's torture for us to do this um (laughs) um, okay so we're doing a lot of exposition here because uh Mm -hmm. there's there's just kind of a lot to know but let's get into like uh, a little bit of what the burned furs movement is because that's okay um that's really what this uh manifesto is all about um but it is like it's the name of a movement um that was intended to counter um, what were perceived as public acts of perversion within the furry fandom. Um, and Burned Furs was active from 1998 to uh, 2001. Like I said, I think this manifesto was written in 1998 or 1999. I didn't see very many mm. um, very many uh, authoritative statements about that. Um, but they're founded by these two people, uh, Squee Rat and Eric Blumrich. Mm-hmm. Um and their mission statement was that anthropomorphic fandom is being overrun by sexually dysfunctional, socially stunted, and creatively bankrupt hacks and pervs. Um, and that kind of language is gives you a good idea of like where they're coming from mm-hmm. in this manifesto. They're like against like perverts and people who are socially stunted, dysfunctional. They're kind of um, they're trying to roast these people, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, their fellow furries, basically. Um, and in a way, what they're doing is asserting that they are the authentic furries. Um, they're the ones who are really invested in the fandom um, because of their you know, pure interest in anthropomorphic animal characters and everybody else uh, is a pervert. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a, a, you know, no true Scotsman uh, argument, <laughs> you know, like it's, um, but uh, of the four statements published by the group, uh, uh, two were by Squee Rat and one was by Peter Shornall, a.k.a. Hangdog. I really <laughs> like the, these names that, that they come up for, uh, for mm-hmm. themselves. It's uh, these avatars. And... Um, 
the group was uh, composed of, in the words of Squee Rat, furs who have spoken up against fandom perversion and have been, quote, burned at the stake. That's why they're the burned furs. They they, mm-hmm. they, they stood up against, uh, from Squee Rat's perspective, stood up against, like, the perverts and got and got burned for it in the, in the community. And, mm-hmm. and they are on the outs, so to speak. And this manifesto mm-hmm. is, is a product of that kind of dispute within, yeah. within the community. And it's kind of funny because Squee Rat produces sci-fi erotica. It's not like uh, she's uh, uh, squeamish or anything like that, as uh-huh. the name might suggest. Rat, but, <laughs> but she... Um, but the, the, the fact that uh, uh, people would look at what she's doing as a kind of, uh, uh, you know, sexually perverse kind of thing, uh, indulging in, in kind of erotic... Um, uh, 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 erotic cartoon drawing. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she is actually the one that sounds like a conservative voice condemning what she sees as sexual perversion. You know. Yeah, and I yeah, um, it's unclear to me if she was actually doing erotica at the time that she hmm. wrote this in late nineties, um, hmm. or if that's a thing that she came to do later. Um, but uh, a thing to know about this group, the the burned furs, is that um, you know wh- while they were asserting themselves as like the true furries, they were uh, accused of being homophobic, mm-hmm. um, intolerant of anyone with any kind of uh, obscure fetish, intolerant of Christians, um, and generally like talking a whole lot of shit about all of their fellow, you know, furry friends um, on the various chat rooms, message boards that were available in like the late 90s, early 2000s, um, and just generally being intolerant. And I I think it's fair to say they were thought of as bullies Mm -hmm. in some ways. Um, yeah, the, the um, yeah the the one of the one of the burned fur founders, Hangdog, uh, made homophobic uh, homophobic and libelous uh, uh, comments uh, against the furry uh, fellow furry and and uh, never apologized for it, and uh, so they're they're yeah I think it's fair to say they're seen as kind of like pretty aggressive. Uh, figures online and they're and they're aggressively coming out against uh, a certain type of furry uh, that mm-hmm. that that they perceive as as sexual deviance and it's this and it's the fact that this like document does sound i mean when you read it and and this is something i i want to talk about more later it's hard you know they they're coming out hard against these furries and and saying terrible things uh, about these people, but also when you read the document, it's not written in a serious tone. You know mm-hmm. uh, all the other manifestos we've 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 gone over in this in this podcast. They they take themselves seriously. They mean what they say. You know this one has this weird ironic uh, uh, tone to it that I think is you know is is maybe a way of 
covering one's ass. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you don't really have to own up to everything you say. Um, uh, it's showing anxieties about that, but yeah, the, uh, squee rat hang dog, they were, they were pushing people around and, and really pointing fingers, I think in their day when they were writing mm -hmm. this document. Yeah. The, there's definitely anger in this mm -hmm. thing too. Like it's, uh, for sure. It's hard to tell. Like, there's definitely ironic distance, but it's also just what seems to be very real anger at specific people mm -hmm. who are not necessarily named here, but it's like they're they're very frustrated, or she's very frustrated with the way that this community that apparently she found herself really allied with for a long time came to be perceived. Um, and so because of the language in there, uh, and because of other language they use they were perceived by some people as a hate group um and i don't really know who used that term um probably other mm. furries i'm presuming well, the people uh, who came up with like third reich you know like yeah. uh, calling them uh, uh members of the third reich because they're <laughs> coming mm -hmm. down on other furries in this like uh -huh. c condemning you know authoritarian way i guess yeah it really speaks to uh I don't know, something important, it's hard for me to put my finger on it, the fact that even when the people uh, who who are angry with the burned furs are speaking up, they still use a fur pun in order to make their point. <laughs> it's like, yeah. they're, they're accusing these people of, uh, you know, homophobia, religious intolerance, uh, a lot of other just, like, bad interpersonal behavior. Nevertheless... Uh, we we need to make a fur pun. I think um, someone like you know some people like someone like uh, uh, Slavoj Žižek, who's a philosopher and cultural critic, would say that's because uh, people are incapable of directly expressing what they feel, so they have to do it in these like bizarre. Uh, uh, you know, indirect ways. They can't, mm -hmm. it, even though they mean what they say, um, they have to do it in this ironic way. Uh, uh, it's a way of being, it's using irony to be genuine in, in, in a bizarre way. And I'm mm -hmm. also thinking of, uh, have you heard of like the artistic movement called metamodernism? I think it's called. Um, I don't think, I don't think so. It's it's the same principle as far as I understand uh, uh, that you use irony to say what you mean uh, that, mm -hmm. that the aesthetic whether it's painting or or acting or whatever you use irony to express genuine feeling so there's mm -hmm. a kind of like I think you know all the all the manifestos we've looked at so far are products of their historical moment in many ways uh, and and this one is a is a very postmodern you know, document because mm -hmm. it, it's, it's, it's getting at what it means in such a anxious and f fragmented, indirect manner, uh, that, 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 um, yeah, makes it a very interesting kind of read that way. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good point about it, this being a product of like 1998, 1999 on the internet, you know, yeah. um, yeah. and the internet is, uh, obviously rife with, um, irony as as the source of not only humor but also kind of truth-telling mm -hmm. um.
let's get into the the furry manifesto itself. Um, being that I take this every time, so you should read the uh, the first line of the manifesto, so I feel better about myself. Sure. Yeah. The the first line of the manifesto is, I remember when being a pervert was a bad thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, even yeah, from the very get-go, from the very first line, there's an outsider group that's identified, right? Uh, mm-hmm. a, a group of perverts who, uh, who are bad, uh, uh, you know. And, and, mm-hmm. and even the, I remember when being a pervert was a back thing, it's, it's conservative in the sense that it's looking back on a golden era, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, things used to be better, but now they're worse. And yeah. he, so from, from the very opening sallow, uh, 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 it, it's, it seems, um, very, uh, uh, you know, reactionary <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, um, Spike Trotman or Squee Rat herself, um, uh, you know, as I mentioned, produces kind of like non-mainstream art, and and but the first thing she says about furries is that they're that they're kind of mm-hmm. perverts, you know. Yeah, back in my day, uh, we just drew uh, <laughs> comic after comic of like cats gangbanging uh, mice. Yeah, you- <laughs> um, but uh, now everybody's up. Fucking pervert. Yeah, you kept that shit in your notebook. You know, you could draw any any piece of like erotic, you know, uh, filthy wad in your notebook. Then you close it Mm -hmm. and you take it home. You don't you don't take it to the streets. You know. Yeah, yeah. Which which is basically uh, what she what Mm -hmm. she says. She doesn't want to see it. Um, You know. uh, So I mean, she spends almost the entire manifesto here talking about what furries uh, are not, you know, or mm-hmm. what's, like, messed up about furries. Uh, and there's really not a ton in here about what furries are in her mind or, or what furries should be. Um, but she does say this. She says, To me and a lot of other people, furry simply means a fondness for animal-human combinations in art, movies, books, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it, you know... I think the thing that's interesting to me about that is that she's saying this is what a furry is. It's just people who are kind of vaguely interested mm-hmm. in uh, these in these like comics or or movies that happen to have anthropomorphic characters or whatever. Um, but is that really <laughs> enough? Is that really enough to form a an important community where you can identify with one another? Like that's such a broad. Yeah, it's it's a very strong defense for a very loosey goosey thing, you know. Mm-hmm. It's um and 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 that shows that you know she's kind of reacting to something rather than having like a clear definition of what she stands for <laughs> as as mm-hmm. a, as a furry. She just doesn't like the sexualized dimensions of it. And, uh, and, and, and is kind of speaking out against that. What kind of furry she is and wants to be is not entirely made clear, but what she isn't is, is made clear, you know? Yeah. I mean, the only thing that I could think of as I was reading this was just that there's so much, um, back and forth on message boards, uh, that a lot of which is like now lost to, um, you know, just the the uh black hole of old internet um you can't even access it um Mm. but maybe 
at that time, she perceived that anyone who was reading her stuff just already knew the history enough, and mm. she didn't need to explain it. Um, but to a lay person coming at it now, it it's very unclear to me what what she even really means by what the what the furries really yeah, are. Yeah, and know? these things were written on like forums. They're they're responding to people. They're in the middle of their own conversations. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like it's not like a manifesto that Ted Kaczynski wrote and went out of his way to publish in the in 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 the in the newspaper. You know, mm-hmm. it's this is a thing that came up almost like spontaneously or organically in this online conversation, and mm-hmm. um, which which might also explain the ironic defensiveness of the tone because she's probably writing this in response to a few other exchanges that we're not privy to you know mm-hmm. so uh there are direct people involved so you write yeah. you write things in a certain way that way yeah this is i i guess a, a lot of manifestos are intended for a general audience that you know, just could come upon this and like with the Unabomber manifesto, mm-hmm. just read it and be like, okay, he's, you, you don't need to know any background. He's just explaining right. how he thinks that society functions. This is a, as much as it's a manifesto, it's part of an ongoing uh, conversation. Yeah. And it's that conflict that makes it interesting, right? Like the, the conflicts within this community show, you know, uh, uh, what the community is, right? It's it's those conflicts that kind of define it, in, a, in mm-hmm. really, uh, uh, at least for me. Yeah. yeah, no, I think that's right. And like speaking of those conflicts, um, what she says, you know, she's she's concerned, not just that, like she she doesn't like these people being perverts in her mind, um, but she's really more concerned with the way that it affects her and and mm. her friends within this community and mm-hmm. what she says is that live and let live is an excellent tree hugging philosophy but it doesn't do much when the ones you refuse to kill are dragging you down with them do you know what all the other fandoms trekkies x-files love crafters what they call furries skunk fuckers and we have these morons to thank for it and she's and there she's talking about people who um specifically are engaged in, in bestiality and, and and refer to themselves as furries. Um, but she's just very... She's concerned about, like, her, her group, you know, which she thinks of as, like, furries, mm. and they're being uh, drugged down with the excesses or the, the sort of um, freewheeling nature of the of the community that's that's kind of gotten away from her you know like maybe she yeah. it's possible too that she had a lot more uh clout in the community and then mm. as it got bigger and more mainstream she sort of lost that i think so um, and and it's such a i mean these elements that you're pointing to are it's such a reactionary text and it shows something about reactionary uh uh sort of responses to culture right it uh mm-hmm. it's so like even though uh, it is within the furry community it's like it creates an out group right she mm-hmm. she creates an out group that's that's deviant and it's one that you need to like look down upon and absolutely 
spit on, right? It's uh, uh, in order to justify your own stance against them. Because you feel, as the reactionary, you feel like you're on the losing side. And this is, uh, and this is something that American conservatives have, have sort of like really sculpted into their pol- form of political action. Even though mm-hmm. they're always winning, they act as if they're always losing because th- that's part of the reactionary framework. You're, you're, you're fighting an uphill battle against this, this element that's changing everything. You know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, these these furries are taken over. Furries aren't what they used to be. <laughs> yeah. And 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 there's and there is that, and you need to like really look down on and and denigrate a thing in order to do that. You know, and she's and it's and it's even within furries. There's it it, it reflects larger political conflicts. Yeah, I think that's making me think of like it's uh, such a powerful rhetorical move to. Uh, just denigrate your opponent as being like a freak or uh, totally yeah. outside of the mainstream, like out of touch, um, people who are just somehow uh, completely outside of the realm of what's acceptable in society. And yeah, obviously conservatives do that. Also conservative Democrats do that mm. when they're trying to... Uh, to alienate anyone who's who's asking for like progressive change, they just uh, the James Carvels and and whatever the CNN Democrats of the world uh, tend to just portray uh, anyone who's uh, who's not doing what they want as being um, crazy mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. I mean, not necessarily call them perverts, but there's a there's probably some equivalent in political speak to crazy Bernie, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it was sleepy Joe and crazy Bernie. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's, that's true, yeah. it's, it's, uh, the, the most rat. Yeah, there is a, that, that is a sign of reactionaryism. Like whoever you call insane and crazy is, is, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a kind of tell. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and like squee rat in this document, like outlines, like there are a lot of different, types of furries and she know and she puts them she mentions them in the in the manifesto this isn't like a direct quote from the text because it's kind of scattered throughout throughout the document if you go and look at it um Mm -hmm. but uh there's a pretty wide range of diversity in the furry community there are what are called what squee rat calls plushophiles who like to have sex with stuffed animals as well as people who indulge in bestiality. There are people who feel like they are animals born into human bodies, as well as people who believe they are werewolves. Lycanthropy, I believe, is the, is the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there are people like Squirat herself, individuals who like to consume art uh, with human-like animals as their protagonists, and and this might be the right time to mention, you know, as a kid, Joe, I used to read the Redwall uh, novels uh-huh. uh, uh, uh-huh. where I'm not sure if you're familiar with these novels, but they're all like they're set in medieval times, but they have rats and mice uh, uh, the fighting each other with swords and shields. And uh, mm. I was pretty into it as a, as a kid, uh, but, you know. 
I wasn't mm-hmm. part of any group or anything like that. I didn't <laughs> identify. I just read these books and, and enjoyed them, yeah. you know, like uh, well, Squee Rat, I guess. I was going to say, it sounds to me like, according to her, you were a child furry. You were a, you you didn't even know it. I didn't even know it. Yeah, I was I I was so into it. I I I didn't even know it. It was uh, uh-huh. uh, innocence lost, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, but like uh, I guess I sh- I think the thing we should say though is that of course there's like a diversity within the group of people who define themselves as furries, mm-hmm. call themselves as a part of the furry fandom, but. I don't necessarily know that all the people she's describing here and the way she describes them would fit like what your average furry now thinks of as a furry. And what I mean is that I'm not sure I don't I don't actually know this, but mm. I would guess that most furries are not going out of their way to align themselves with people who practice bestiality. I agree. Uh, yeah. That's like a thing that she I mean, she would know. I mean, she was yes. more into the community than than uh, obviously, of of course, more than you and I were. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's especially no way me. That we, yeah, especially you. <laughs> I don't know about was, you, Joe, but especially yeah. I'm not. You know. Yeah, no. Neither of us know anything <laughs> other than just researching for this podcast. Um, Um, she doesn't have like the steely-eyed conviction of a of a Christopher Dorner or a Ted Kaczynski in writing this uh, uh, in this this manifesto. Uh, she she's kind of snarky, and uh, here's uh, here's sort of like an example of what we're talking about. Uh, so this is a quote where she's talking about furries who enjoy having sex in their furry costumes. If you were warped, you try to hide it. And, for, uh, and good for you if you did. If you were going to polish your raw to autopsy photos or bugger a Shetland pony, you did it in the privacy of your own sick, sad home. So she's mixing those strong emotions with, uh, uh, with, with these like uh, funny, uh, uh, quirky statements, you know? And, mm-hmm. and it's, um, uh, uh, it's this tone... Uh, the tone is pejorative and dismissive of the kind of furries she's talking about. And, you know, people who dress up as furries, like doing a, a little bit of like research for this for this episode, you know, there was this one woman I came across who suffered from depression, you know, and dressing up as a, as a furry, having that kind of persona to project into... That kind of avatar made her feel better. It kind of, it kind of, uh, uh, you know, she she wasn't as depressed, or she was she was feeling better when she was in this uh, 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 avatar, you know, and mm-hmm. and you know when you when you talk about a group of people dressing up in a certain way just so they can 
you know, fuck each other and that's it. It's just, um, it doesn't, it kind of misses a part of the, of the picture and, and, and her ironic tone is kind of not, you know, for sort of obfuscating those realities within the furry yeah. community. Well, and I mean, it, even if, uh, what they're doing is getting together to fuck each other, um, like that's not necessarily some valueless terrible thing mm, i mean right uh, right it's like they're if especially given the amount of effort that one has to take to pursue that kind of thing mm. um it's it's kind of hard for me to dismiss as being oh just like a a stupid um perverse uh worthless idea it, it, it must be something that brings a certain amount of of meaning uh to to one's life or you wouldn't do that all the work to make it happen i, mm-hmm. I would assume yeah and 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 considering how a lot of the costumes are self-made and people sp- spend a lot of time and money on them it is um it is something that they uh, uh identify with and, mm-hmm. and Squirat herself, her voice is sort of like furries are a marginalized community and she is on the margins of those margins, you know? She's on the outskirts of the outskirts, so to speak. And uh, she says, uh, we've got us some self-righteous little pokers down here. You see, just drawing cartoons animals and enjoying Watership Down doesn't make you furry. No, you're not good enough. You're not furry if it's just a hobby. If you don't think you're the astrally projected soul of a wolf trapped in a human body, you don't answer the phone with a meow, <laughs> you're not a furry. <laughs> that is. <laughs> There's so many parts about this that are, uh, like, we're trying to take it seriously, and, and there is stuff to get out of it, but yes. goddamn, it, uh, it is a little silly. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, but she, um, there are, there are these, like, again, this is a reactionary document, and she's like, there's these furry purists of which she is not a part, you know? She, she is this person who likes Watership Down and draws cartoons, you know? And, um... I mean, think about it. It it makes her. This is kind of a like what you were saying earlier about being a conservative. Mm-hmm. It makes her as a person who embraces like traditional uh, values, which uh, you know, or, or you know, uh, the kinds of values that lead you to feel somewhat ashamed about like uh, getting in a fur pile and splooging everywhere. <laughs> it, like, it makes her an outsider, nonetheless. You know, she's still. Uh, an outsider even though like her values align with what she says is like everyone you know the mainstream society's values but she's on the outside here yes just like kind of like uh like political conservatives are absolutely it's that stance it's that kind of positioning that's so important right and mm-hmm. um and also like on on this kind of note so the whole furry phenomenon, the the necessity or the feeling, the need to create these avatars for yourself, you know, kind of like cosplay uh, or or LARPing, right? Uh, the uh, uh, it's kind of like, well, why are people doing this at all, right? 
Mm-hmm. What what's going on? Where where it, it it's it's a whole like lifestyle. It's a whole identity, and not just as Squirat says, a hobby, right? Mm-hmm. Could the furry culture itself be a symptom of the alienation created by capitalism? The regular everyday lives people lead are so alienating and boring and and not like who people feel like they should be or who they are that they have to create these other personas whether it's a furry or or some sort of like superhero or something some thing that's more them that's more really them than whoever they are in real life uh, mm-hmm. uh is do you think like furry the furry phenomenon a, a symptom of like the thing that i always like to blame for everything in the world which is capitalism everything's it's 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 is its fault right mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah it, what do you think about is, that? is there some way that we can turn this into a socialist uh you know a, a socialist screed hey we're all part uh, of groups that we're you know <laughs> we're trying to yeah yeah i mean i guess the only so I don't know that, you know, you're saying, is it a problem that's a result of something? Like, I don't necessarily know that the existence of furries is a problem. Oh, no, no. Um, I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to say that. Yeah, I just mean, like, I don't don't know that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, Like, I think, uh, I don't think it is. Um, But, and I also don't know if it's a thing that in a... A perfect society, maybe given just the limits of our human experience, we might still have a fair number of people who, you know, see these other uh, animals, these other conscious beings, and wonder enough what it's like to be in their bodies, in their minds, to, to try to inhabit that. Um, but I, uh, it would surprise me if there's not some amount of what you're saying playing out right because Mm. we do we do all go we're expected basically to play these roles that are like we're not playing animals but they're like essentially fake humans that go into work you know the number of jobs where you have to wear a uniform to go in you know there's Mm -hmm. a dress code or an explicit uniform you got to put on a costume that's not you and and walk in there and talk in a way that's that's scripted that's kind of coerced you know and and um it's uh, uh are we not all furries in a way Joe? <laughs> wearing our our we'd uh. like to you know we don't call them fur suits but it's a suit nonetheless and uh yeah. well but except in with fur suits people feel like themselves uh, 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 unlike the the it's it's the polar opposite to the McDonald's uniform where you're com- uh, Jesus who's that guy who puts uh. on the McDonald's uniforms and, and like feels more like himself or herself like it's yeah. uh, um, it's it's but really I, uh, I'm just thinking of it as a culture like as a, as a historical reaction or phenomenon as as a product of capitalism now I, yeah you're right I'm 
I didn't mean to sound like it's like a bad thing. I don't. I'm not on Squee Rat's side here. I don't have any fur in this game, uh, uh. <laughs> so it's it's oh, um, that's that's. Uh, uh, I'm just I'm just wondering, like, yeah, I'm trying to think of it in 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 terms of like I guess socialist or lefty terms. That's uh, yeah. I think that's. I, I definitely think there's uh, something there. I mean, if nothing else, it just is a good analog to what we uh, do at work, um, except that we, at work, most of us anyway, don't really feel like we belong. Although I guess you and I are talking, and you and I have this experience where for the most part when we go to work, we don't feel like, uh, we don't really feel like that's us. But I think there are a lot of people who, especially after a certain amount of time, depending on what kind of job it is, they do feel like that. They feel mm-hmm. like I am, like I am the good version of whatever this job is. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's like the a plurality or whatever, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I I think you and I have that perspective mm. because of our own experiences. But um, anyway, I think there's I think there's something there, and yeah, in a world where there seem to be so many limitations to being a human. Uh, including ones that didn't exist even you know 50 mm. or 100 years ago like why not try to try to be right. a, a Shetland pony right or, right or, yeah or being a, uni- a human or a unicorn. fucking sucks it's not like, like what's your what's your defense of not being an animal <laughs> you know yeah. like I don't know <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's, it's hard to say like being a human is so fucking great plus, I mean plus everybody wants of course you know well it Here's another thing that's kind of, I think, analogous. Everyone wants to be sort of a somehow more perfect version of themselves. Mm. And that's what you present at work. At least that's what I've always done. I try to pretend like I'm not the huge dumbass that I actually am. Right. And I, you know, that I'm competent and there's, uh, I know what's going on and I'm not like spending 99% of my time wondering why the hell we're even doing this stuff. Uh, <laughs> and if you're a uh, if you're a a furry, it's like, yeah, you spend all your time as a human maybe wondering like why the fuck am I uh, going along with all these obligations? Um, mm. and the more perfect version of yourself is this animal that not only not only is it an animal but you get to draw it you get to yeah you, know, you get to create all its characteristics because that's that's yeah. another thing we've not really talked about but most of the people who really get into it it seems to me uh they play mm-hmm. the animal yes in, the fursona like, online mm-hmm. yeah the fursona yes i guess we have talked about the fursona um <laughs> but so I mean I I guess let's just say one thing about the manifesto we've kind of oh, yes. get into our we're getting into our own manifesto here but um, j- just to be clear you know I'm talking about wanting to be an animal and Squee Rat here is pretty clear that at least in her mind most furries don't actually want to be animals and what she says is I'm rather fond of being a Homo sapien I've grown quite attached to the idea of opposable thumbs full-color vision, and the dawning of self-awareness. Space travel, Chinese food, swing dancing. The perks ain't bad either. Um, <laughs> I honestly don't find that remotely compelling. <laughs> um, 
as as a like a way to convince people that you actually want to be a, a human being. Uh, actually, yeah. That sounds like what a fox would write if a fox was trying to pretend like the fox wanted to be a human being. <laughs> Maybe deep down, Squee Rat too is is the furry she hates rather than yeah. <laughs> the furry she, she thinks she is. Yeah, well, like the idea that whoever wrote this thought that humans have some investment in space travel. I mean, uh, I, I mean, anyway, uh, and swing dancing. Um, although maybe maybe she does. Yeah, it's it's. Um... And so what's her, what's Squee Rat's vision for, for furry fandom? She, you know, what's her, what's her plan? Uh, you know, cause mm-hmm. manifestos, they they, they, yeah, they complain about stuff, but they also tell you about the world they want to live in. And that's kind of hard to find in this manifesto. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's hard to squeeze out, but, um, to she... squeeze out, Squee Rat. <laughs> To squee so, rat out, you know. This is a this is a terrible habit to get into uh, as a podcast. We we'll, we'll just keep doing this though. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, uh, th- this. Um, she says, even if by some miracle the masses rose up and managed to expel every last wacko from the fan base. Uh, the name furry has taken on connotations it will likely never shake. Common sense decrees a secession is in order. You know? Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, the whole furry name is too tainted. And, and, and some, some, something else has to come along with the whole different thing. And, yeah. and, and she's kind of like calling it quits on the whole society or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's why it's hard to find a vision for what she wants. She just is like, we need to call this something else, you know? We need to, well, we need to start a third party. Right, yes. Uh. I believe I would vote for an independent party, Joe. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, and her third party here um, is what she calls the burned furs, um, mm. which uh, does sound like... A 90s alt rock band, mm-hmm. um, but it is this name for this thing that she's come up with. This is like her, this is her big kind of contribution here because she says she brainstormed about this, thought about it for a while, and she figured she should call the group Burned Furs. She says the name has a double meaning. Non psycho furs can be called burned because anyone with a firm grasp on reality would clearly feel slighted by the screamingly deviant direction the fandom has taken. Another way of looking at it is the example made of furs who've spoken up against fandom perversion and been burned at the stake for it. And you, you mentioned that earlier, mm. but yeah, so she's saying that's the reason for calling it burned furs. You know, we, uh, we recognize these people are all pervs, and also we keep getting called out and, and burned at the stake for, mm. for saying it. Um, what I don't... I mean, not to too hard on Squee Rat here, but uh, mm. the end of this thing is kind of a letdown, in my mm-hmm. opinion, um, mm-hmm. because what she says, I mean, so this is her plan, is, okay, so we're just gonna stop calling ourselves furries, call ourselves burned furs, which... Right. Uh, okay, first of all, is a reference to furry, so... Right. Maybe that's, you know, I, I'm not a linguist, but maybe <laughs> do something other than use the word fur. But she says... Being a burned fur would be easy, I imagine. 
Simply replace any mention of furry in your vocabulary with burned furry. If people ask what the hell you're talking about, explain. So that's the plan. Just explain, use the word burned fur, try to, uh, I guess, identify yourself as something other than the pervs mm. who've taken over furry fandom. Yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's not very inspiring, you know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, uh, as, I mean, I'm coming at it as a non-furry and, 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 and so I, you say, yes, so I say, <laughs> <laughs> I, so you've repeatedly <laughs> asserted throughout this podcast and, in less and, and less and convincing the, ways. And I'm sure the more I do, the more my innocence and, and kind of, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I am. I am not. You know, just to just to repeat. Anyway, uh-huh. <laughs> I am not a furry. <laughs> uh, yeah, say so me and Richard Nixon. We're both not yeah. furries. <laughs> no. Well, but here's the question, though: If you were a furry, mm. what what kind of furry do you think you'd be? What kind of uh, what kind well, of animal? Quite the question. Uh, you know, there's <laughs> there's conventions in the furry community. The foxes, wolves, are uh, uh, cats mm-hmm. and skunks are the are the main <laughs> go tos. But mm-hmm. uh, I would be a sloth, Joe. I would be a mm-hmm. sloth, but with a catch. I'd have a big dick, slow mm-hmm. and steady sloth. <laughs> okay. Do sloth? I don't know if sloths usually. I don't know what this average dick size of a sloth is. Oh, I have I have no idea. So, something okay. well that's that's the kind of thing you're gonna need to investigate <laughs> a little bit more before you because you're gonna want I guess you're gonna want a bigger dick than your average sloth. <laughs> We're going by sloth metrics, not human metrics here. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. yeah. I think yeah she one uh, somewhat convincing. Well, hang on. What, what about you? What's what's your? Uh... Well, that's what I was gonna say. Oh, okay. Uh, she talks about um, she she's basically saying that she would kind of feel better about these people who are furry lifestylers uh-huh. um, and who you know call themselves like foxes and wolves, dragons, lions, whatever. She'd feel better if one of them claimed to be a reborn cockroach, um, mm. and she wouldn't be so cynical. I, I, I don't know that I'd probably not do the. I don't know if I do the cockroach because she's like already suggested it. Mm. But I feel like my, my go-to furry persona would probably. I'm like a you know a contrarian, uh. so I would probably go for. Uh, something that's perceived as disgusting you know i think that would be like a good conversation starter at furry conventions i'm just imagining like if you're if you're at a furry convention and you walk in dressed as like a sexy cat Mm. you then like you only have so much to talk about regarding your your costume because you know you're a sexy cat they've seen a few sexy cats you're gonna have to like figure out other things to talk with a uh, talk about with these people as a cockroach mm. you've got basically conversation starter ready to go well, i don't mean to but there's you know the word is furry you gotta have fur that's an exoskeleton well, you know it's I guess. uh you gotta pick an animal with fur we, we can't rewrite the rules joe i mean you're just you're really going down squee rats okay. road you're just going off the rails here you gotta have fur okay 
Yeah, that's well, that's true. It, it is hard to have burned fur if you never had any fur. That is that is more than I think about it a uh, mm. issue that I've yet to see addressed mm. in all of the honestly, you know, hours of furry related research that mm -hmm. I did. I never really saw any way of addressing the fact that not all animals have fur. Right. That's a good yeah, that's a good point. That's just well, hmm. I guess uh Turns out we've uh, we've maybe thought this through more than they have. We've we've come to the limits of furry uh, of furry philosophy, and and, mm -hmm. and we're we're standing at a brick wall now. <laughs> <laughs> we've reached yeah. the end, and yeah, uh, I'm I'm proud of what we've done. I think uh, we've uh, I think we've made a lot of uh, good headway in in understanding uh, the limits and the you know the the potential value in the. The furry community. This was a great holiday episode, I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Very in spirit. I'm just of... glad that we're doing a holiday episode. You know, <laughs> I was worried we were just let the holidays pass and we weren't gonna address them. But yeah, you know, this nice uh, this to give feels people good. a little treat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just in time for the holidays. <laughs> Yeah.